0: awesome gift amen it's great to see you in the house of the lord this evening amen it looks like uh i might be missing some of my notes here my main this has never happened before to me but my main passage of scripture is probably sitting on my desk my wife will get it page one it's got my main passage on there I mean, even know God is a good God. Amen. Huh? No, that's actually my reserved seating that is there. I got my seat reserved, but my main passage is not here. Amen. You know, while I'm waiting for that, like Pastor Zach had said, I, I was blessed on Sunday. I don't know how many of you are here. Amen. I was blessed, not I was blessed to be a part of what took place on Sunday. I was blessed to to be a mouthpiece for the Lord, but I was blessed especially to know that God never fails. That no matter what the devil might try to bring against us, no matter what the devil might try to do to interfere with the move of the Lord or God's blessing, God never fails. He orchestrates everything. And sometimes, church, you know, we got to wait a few days or we got to wait a little while to be able to look back and understand and realize that in the midst of it all, God's hand was in every bit of it. Amen? And that's the way it is with all of our lives. So uh, let me encourage you that no matter what your day looks like, no matter what your circumstances might look like, no matter how things might be unfolded, be confident that God's hand is in the middle of it all. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the title of my message is The Power of Your Testimony. Before I get going on that, should have taken the time where I just talked to go ahead and pray because I, I, I need the Lord and you need the Lord as well. So real quick, one more time, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence and for the word that you have in store for us. I praise you for it and thank you for it, Lord God. We need you, Father God. I need you. The people need you. I pray that your anointing would be upon me and that you would rest upon your people as well. And that all of us, Father, would find something in this world. Word this evening that would challenge us and stir us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, "Amen." Tonight I'm going to be preaching from First Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. In the time that I have, I'm going to begin with verses 1 through 5 and then touch on them as we go. But the word of the Lord says this: When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon. And his relation to the name of the Lord, Jehovah, not any other name, but relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. In other words, she came to see if he was everything that he was cracked up to be. She came to see if he was everything that she heard he was. If he was all that, you might say, and a bag of chips. She came to test him and try him, the Word of God says. And arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan... With camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked to him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all of the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the service of his waiters and the retire, his cupbearers and all who surrounded him, his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, there was no more spirit within her, the Bible says. Her spirit was settled by what she saw, the Bible says, and she was overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed in a bad way, but overwhelmed in a good way, because when you study this church, the word overwhelmed here in Scripture means that she was overtaken by a superior force. And what I want you to gather from this and understand that all of the questions that she had were overtaken by a superior force, all of the emotional, all of the emotions that were running through her soul, all of her questions, all of her troubles, everything that was stirring inside of her soul was overtaken by a superior force. And I hope you grasp that and I hope you understand that because I want you to know that no matter what you might be going through, no matter what trouble you might be having in your soul, no matter what questions might be troubling your mind. No matter what might be going on in your life, I want you to understand that there is a superior force that can bring peace to a, to a troubled soul and peace to a troubled mind. Amen? And this is what happened with this individual. She was overwhelmed, the Bible says, or overtaken by a superior force. Her anxiousness, her troubling thoughts, her questions, all of them were put at rest, church. The Bible tells us that she was overwhelmed or she was overtaken. But what was it that she was overtaken by? What was it she was overwhelmed by? She was overwhelmed by the power of a testimony. That's the title of my message. She was overwhelmed, church, by a first-hand account of Solomon's words, Solomon's works, and Solomon's worship. When you read through this, uh, this story, you're going to find that there were three things that overwhelmed this woman, overwhelmed this queen. She was overwhelmed by the words that Solomon spoke concerning the Lord, overwhelmed by all of the wisdom that he spoke. She was overwhelmed by his works and the way he lived and the way she watched him live and conduct himself. And she was overwhelmed by his worship, meaning how he demonstrated the value of his God. Those were the three things that overwhelmed her church. Those were the three things that Solomon's testimony was built upon. And it's what our testimony must be built upon as well. Our testimony as individuals must be built upon our words that we speak about the Lord, must be built upon our works for the Lord, and it must be built upon our worship or our demonstration of the value of our Lord in our lives. If you have no worship, you have no testimony. If you don't work for God or serve God or demonstrate your love for God, you have no testimony. If you aren't able to express in a in a verbal sense what God has done for you and what He means for you, you have no testimony. Our testimony must be built on these three things. And when you have them, you will have an effect over someone's life like the king had over the queen of Sheba. And it's what we're going to look at this evening. Solomon's testimony was built on those three things. And if our testimony is not built on those three things, our testimony lacks power. Our testimony will lack the ability to have influence or overtake anyone else's life, anyone else's trouble, anyone else's trials that they're going through. What I want each of us to understand this evening is that all of us, church, regardless of our age or our social status, regardless of our color or our creed or our race, regardless of where we live or where we work or what we uh, w- what we drive or what side of the tracks we live on, church, all of us have the ability and all of us have the responsibility, just like Solomon, to try to overwhelm or overtake a life. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Overtake A life through the power of our testimony. We all, church, have the ability, and we all, through Jesus Christ, have the responsibility to try to overtake the trouble that might be going on in someone's life. We all have the ability and the responsibility through our words, through our works, and through our worship to exercise a supernatural authority over anything that might be affecting your neighbor's life, your brother's life, your friend's life, your boss's life, a stranger's life, your co-worker's life. We all have that ability and that responsibility. Your testimony, listen... Uh, When I talk about a testimony, I'm talking about a testimony that goes beyond our confession. I'm talking about a testimony that goes beyond mere words. I'm talking about a testimony that has hands and has feet and has faithfulness. I'm talking about a testimony that has works and worship attached to it. Because if your words don't have works and, and worship attached to it, your words mean nothing. Because with your lips you can show much love. So this is what we need to understand. We need to understand that Solomon was a man uh, of more than words. He was a man of works and spiritual deeds, and he was a man of great worship as well. We're going to look at that in the amount of time that I have. When I talk about a testimony, I'm talking about a testimony that others can see, and others can touch, and others can feel, and others can experience in their own lives. When I talk about your testimony, I'm talking about a testimony that has the ability to touch someone in your workplace, has it has the ability to break through some of the obstacles they might even be experiencing in their life. I'm talking about the power of a testimony testimony. I'm talking about a testimony that reaches beyond these pews. I'm talking about a testimony that, that reaches beyond those doors and reaches beyond these walls, church. I'm talking about a testimony that has the power to reach into a dark place. I'm talking about a testimony that has the power to reach into this community and reach into this city and reach into this state and reach into this world to overtake darkness, That's what I'm talking about when I talk about a testimony, church. You see, the reality is your testimony doesn't mean very much in here. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, What I want you to understand and what I'm saying is if the only time... Listen, what your testimony is based on. If the only time you talk about God is in the house of God, you don't have much of a testimony. If the only time you serve God is in the house of God. You don't have much of a testimony. If the only time you worship God is when you're in the house of God, I want you to understand you don't have much of a testimony. Your testimony has to reach beyond the pew you're sitting in. It has to be. It has to reach beyond the doors that you walk through on Sunday morning. You can't put your testimony in your back pocket when you walk out the door and sit on it the rest of the week. Because if you do, it has no power. God gave you a testimony, not just for you. He gave you a testimony to go overtake someone. And this is what God is talking about when He talks about a testimony. So often I can remember, you know, and I'm not making fun of this or mocking this, but I remember when I was a young boy growing up in church, you always had that individual. Yeah, they had a faithful testimony, but their testimony was nothing more. I praise God I'm saved. And that was it. And I used to ask myself, even as a little kid, I used to think, boy, that's boring, because it was the same thing every single time. Yes, I I praise God I'm saved. I praise God I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. But what has He done for you lately? And what have you done for him lately? That's what a testimony is all about, church. We're going to look at that as we go this evening. Listen, the reality is our testimony has to reach beyond where we are for it to have an effect. You can't overtake, you can't overtake the world. You can't overtake a soul that is troubled with the power of the Lord unless you begin to testify out there. That's what God's calling us to, church. Listen. Listen. Solomon had a testimony that reached beyond his throne. Solomon had a testimony that reached beyond his own temple walls. He had a testimony that reached beyond his own kingdom, the Bible teaches us. Solomon had a testimony that was powerful enough to reach into another kingdom and touch the heart of a queen. I hope you grasp this and I hope you understand the Uh, The power of this man's testimony, church. I'm wondering how many of us have a testimony that's that powerful. I'm wondering how many of us have a testimony that can reach into another kingdom. I'm wondering how many of us have a testimony that can reach into the the kingdom of darkness and overtake someone who's lost there. I'm wondering how many of us have a testimony that's powerful enough to reach out into the kingdom of this world, to get out of its comfort zone in the kingdom of God and do what it was supposed to do, be salt and be light and overtake someone. By the power of the Lord that's been invested and sown into our lives, church. If we're not doing that, our testimony isn't worth much. God's looking for some testimonies that are able to overtake darkness, overtake the enemy, church. Listen, God came upon you and God puts His Spirit upon us so that we might go set the captives free. So that we might break chains and break bonds and deliver those that are held captive, church. That's the power of a testimony. That's what your testimony should be able to do and what my testimony should be able to do. It should be able to go into another kingdom and overtake the ruler and the authority of that kingdom. And set them free through the power of the Lord. That's the power of the testimony I'm talking about. A testimony that's powerful enough to touch and overtake the life of a queen. Overtake the life of a barber. Overtake the life of a waitress that you come in contact with. Uh, uh, powerful enough to overtake the life of your your coworker or your boss or your employee. And I'm not talking about physically overtake. I'm not talking about physically going and try to exercise some kind of power over their life. I'm talking about having the power to overtake something spiritually. Because they're in bondage, because they belong to another kingdom. And God is waiting for someone to exercise enough power and authority through their testimony to go overtake something. You see, this world belongs, belonged to God. God created it for him. But now there's a different ruler that has authority. But thank God there is an authority that's even greater and stronger. Can overtake every form of darkness, every form of disease, every form of desperation, every form of, uh, uh, of any evil that would come against us. And this is what God wants us to exercise, church. I wonder if we have a testimony that's powerful enough to reach into the world of an atheist or an agnostic, powerful enough to reach into the world church of a, of a drug addict or a prostitute church and overtake them with the power and the love of Jesus Christ. I'm wondering if we have a testimony that's powerful enough to, to reach into the workplace or the boardroom, like I said, or the cafeteria or the carpool or to an out-of-state office that we visit once a month maybe. Maybe onto a college campus or into a school. Do we have a testimony that's powerful enough to reach into those areas and overtake something, church? You see, there is power in a testimony. And the the question is, how powerful is our testimony? There is power in a testimony, and according to this passage of Scripture, the queen was looking for it. And the world is looking for it too. They're looking for something that's more powerful than the place they're in. Because the place they're in, no matter how filled it is with things, they're still empty and they're still lacking. The queen was the same way. Well, look at it. Understand, Solomon's testimony was powerful enough to reach into the world of an individual who held her own place of power. Into the life of an individual who held her own position of prestige. Please remember the queen of Sheba was a woman with her own influence. She was a woman with her own wealth. She was a a woman that was well-bred and well-educated. She was the queen of Sheba. And when you study it, you'll find out that she was the queen regent, which is even a, a more powerful position. Queen regent means that she ruled the land. Queen regent meant that she had all the authority to make all of the decisions because the king was incapacitated or the king wasn't available. She was the number one authority in the land. She was queen regent church. She ruled her own kingdom and she sat on her own throne. And if you were to have asked anyone around her, they would have said she lacked for nothing, longed for nothing, needed nothing. They would have said that she had every single thing that she needed. She's the queen regent. How could she need anything? She owns this land and rules this land. How could she want for anything? Yet when you read this scripture, it reveals that she longed for something. You read the Scripture, you, you, you find out that she needed something. When you read the Scripture, you find out that no matter what she surrounded herself with, she was still lacking something in her life. Something she couldn't find in her own courts. Something she couldn't find in her own courtyard. Something she couldn't find among the peasants or in her palace. Something she couldn't find among the rich or find among the poor. Something that she couldn't find among her own people, in her own palace or in her own land she was looking for something that she could not acquire with her own influence. She was looking for something she couldn't take with the own, her own authority or power that she had as queen regent. She couldn't find it among her pagan temples she couldn't find it, church, dwelling among her idols. She couldn't find it among all of her earthly treasures. She was still lacking something, and in all of those areas she couldn't find it. Her false gods couldn't provide what she was looking for. Her false prophets couldn't provide what she was looking for. All of her pleasures, all of her treasures, all of her counselors, all of her scholars, church, could could offer nothing to satisfy the longing that she had in her soul All of the people that she surrounded her with could not put her heart or her mind at rest. There was something stirring around inside of her. And no matter where she looked or who she turned to, she could not find it. Nothing around her could, could satisfy church. And the reality is the world is exactly the same way. The reality is the world and all that it puts before us, the world and all that it has to offer us with all of its wealth, With all of its riches, church, with all of its power, prestige, popularity, with all of its pleasures and treasures that it has to offer us, it's still not enough to satisfy the hunger of the soul. It's still not enough to satisfy the hunger of the human heart. And you want to know why? It's because the heart is spiritual. The heart is eternal. And all of the things that we might surround ourselves with in life are temporal. They're all passing away. And there is no way that anything that's temporal can satisfy that which is eternal. The only thing that can satisfy the eternal soul is the eternal Father. And no matter what you surround yourself with, no matter what car you put yourself in, no matter what kind of house you live in, no matter what kind of car or or what kind of money you got in the bank, no matter what kind of plaque you might have up on your desk or title you might have on the door, none of it will satisfy the human soul this is what we need to understand, church. Listen, if the queen was already satisfied, she would have never gone to Jerusalem. If the queen had found what she was looking for in her own palace among her own people, she would have never taken the journey that she did. If she found what she needed in her own country, in her own courtyard, among all of her, her wisest men, she would have never traveled to the city of God. She would have never made the journey to the king. But according to verses 1, 2, and 5, when you read it, she hadn't found the answer she was looking for, like I said. She hadn't found peace of mind. She hadn't found direction or what she was looking for. She was still filled with questions in verse 1. She still had a lot on her mind in verse 2. And, you, and according to verse 5, she was still troubled inside of her spirit. And I want you to know that your world, just like my world, church, is filled with individuals like the Queen. Individuals who have found no answers to the troubles that they have. They haven't found the, the answers that uh, to the questions that are troubling their soul or troubling their mind or stirring and churning around in their spirit no matter where they have looked. And they've looked everywhere, church. They cannot find the peace that they're looking for. Individuals who are troubled in their soul, and, and no matter who they have turned to or where they have turned, they can't find the peace that they're looking for because they haven't found the only thing that satisfies. Because they haven't been overtaken by a superior force in their life. They haven't been overwhelmed yet, church. And after all of their searching, after all of their seeking... After all of their striving and their acquiring, church, of of earthly things, you know it, you've been there probably like me, after all of the booze or after all of the drugs or after all of the sex or after all of the parties, church, after all of the, the pleasures and the treasures of this world that the world seeks after, they still cannot find rest for their soul. The truth is, your life is surrounded like my life with people who cannot find rest. Because there is only one who can satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with good things. Because only the bread of life can satisfy the hungry. Because only the the living water can satisfy or quench the thirsting of a soul, church. Because only Jehovah can overtake the troubled heart. And this is who we have to testify about. This is who we have to share the good news about. This is who we have to build our words, our works, and our worship around so the world can partake of it. So the world can be overtaken by a superior force and find the peace that they're looking for. This is the power of your testimony. Jesus wants us to find living water. Jesus wants us to find peace like the woman who went to the to the well. And I don't want to get onto this too much because of the time that I have. But if you remember the woman at the well, the Bible tells us that she had five husbands. She couldn't find satisfaction among any of them. She couldn't find peace among any of them. She couldn't have the stirring of her soul satisfied among any of them. So she just tried living with the sex and that didn't work either. And Jesus told her the reason that you can't find peace, the reason you're still thirsty, is because you haven't yet drank from the right well. Because you haven't found the living water. Because you haven't found the one who satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things, church. And and, and Jesus told her it's because she was drinking from the wrong well. Listen. The Queen of Sheba came looking for answers in peace as well. The Queen of Sheba was was looking for something to satisfy her soul, just like the woman at the well, church. but But here's what I want us to remember. That when the queen came looking, she came looking for the one with the testimony. And this is what I want to expand on a little bit. She didn't come looking for... She came looking for the one with the testimony. She came looking for the king. She didn't come looking for a court jester because she already had one. She already had someone to make her laugh and giggle and jump around. She already had something to entertain her. She didn't come looking for a cook because she already had one. She didn't come looking for a maidservant because she had a hundred or a a thousand of them. She didn't come looking for the gardener or the, the keeper of the gate. She came looking for the one with the testimony. She came looking for the one that she heard about. She came looking for the one who had such an awesome relation to the name of the Lord that she had to find it. You see, the people that, 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 that you surround yourself in, in, in your life, the people that surround you in your, your life, they're looking for someone with a testimony. They're not looking for a court jester. They can get it on the TV. They're not looking for a source of entertainment. They can find it in Hollywood. When it comes to stilling the disturbance of their soul, they're looking for someone with a testimony. They're looking for the one that has the power to overtake the stirring of their soul. And if we, listen to me, if we don't have a right relationship with God, and if our testimony is not built on those three things that I told you about, words, works, and worship, will never affect the life around us, church. We will not be the one with the testimony and they'll go looking somewhere else. We might just be considered the court jester because we tell good jokes at the cooler. Their life's falling apart and all we talk about is what we watched on TV. When they're, they're going through a divorce, listen to me, when they're going through difficult times, they lost a loved one, like we did, uh, uh, did just this past weekend with Russell, when all hell seems to be breaking loose in their life, the world is looking for a testimony that has the power to overtake what's going on in their soul and the trouble that's going on in their mind. Listen, this is what we have to understand They're looking for a force superior enough to overtake their troubled soul, church. Understand, when the queen finally decided to come and test Solomon, when she finally decided to come and try him and see if he was all that, like I said, she didn't simply walk across the street. She didn't pick up a a taxi and go five miles down the road, church. She didn't pick up the telephone to talk to him She didn't send him a Twitter. She didn't send him a tweet. She didn't send him an email or whatever else you might call it nowadays. I want you to understand when the queen heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the Lord. And this is key. She didn't just hear about his fame. When she heard about his fame and his relation to Jehovah. The Bible says when she heard about his testimony. When she heard all about his relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, something moved her. When she heard all about, church, his relation to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... When she heard all about his relationship, not to Allah, not to the the Dagon, not to uh, uh, any of the other false gods that she might have already been serving and had altars erected to, when she heard all about his relationship to Jehovah God, it was powerful enough to drive her 1,400 miles to the city of God. It was that powerful, church. 1,400 miles to see if his testimony was true. I hope you grasp that. I hope you understand the power of that because I'm wondering again, what is our testimony driving others to do? What is our testimony, church, driving others to do? To what lengths is this community going to get the South Metro because of our testimony? to what lengths uh, are are the individuals we know church going what 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 extra effort are they making to get into your presence because of your relationship with Jehovah how far are they willing to go to get into your presence and hear your words and see your works and watch your worship because of your relationship with Jehovah You see, this is the power of a testimony, and they won't go very far looking for anything else. I hope you understand that, church. To what lengths are are, is this community going to get their kids and their youth to South Metro Ministries? To what lengths, church, are the individuals in our life going to come into our presence personally because we have such an awesome relationship with the King? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about the power of the testimony. Solomon's testimony was powerful enough for the queen to step off her own throne. Powerful enough to get the queen to step off of her own throne, to leave her own kingdom and invest one year of her life, church, to find what she was looking for. One year of her life to find what she was looking for. That was the power of her, his testimony. It took six months for her to travel with this caravan from Ethiopia to the city of God. But she thought it was worth the investment because the testimony she heard was that powerful. Half a year to find out if what she heard was true. Uh, this is the kind of testimony God is looking for in our lives. That no matter how long it takes someone to get here or get into your life, or no matter what they've got to go through to see if your testimony is true, they're going to do it. Because it's that powerful Because someone carried the word about your relationship with God to someone else. Because someone opened their mouth and testified of what God has done. This is the kind of testimony that God is looking for. Listen, what has the queen heard about you and me? What has the teacher heard about you and me or the professor heard about you or me? What have your bosses heard about you and me? What have your vendors heard about you? What have your customers heard about you? What has your boss or your employee or your next door neighbor heard about you? What has your family heard about you? What has the waitress or the waiter, what has what the community leaders of, of Sharpsburg or Coweta County or, or the individuals, what have they heard about you and me? What have they heard about South Metro Ministries that would drive them off their own throne? That would move them away from their own surroundings of influence to find the church, the power to overtake whatever's going on in their life, because they haven't been able to find it anywhere else. They've tried to find it in the six-pack. They've tried to find it on uh, in the backseat of a car. They've tried to find it in a hotel room. They've tried to find it in a needle or in a pill. They've tried to find it in therapy. And they've tried to find it at the psychiatrist. And again, I'm not talking... They've tried to find it everywhere, but they can't, church. They haven't found the power to overtake what's going on in their lives. And listen to me. That power is held by you and me. It's held by you and me. It's the only way that power is loosed into this world through you and me. Listen to me. When Jesus hung on the cross and died, His job was done. He said, it's finished. There's nothing more I can do. It's all done. I shed every drop of blood. There's nothing left. I've done my job. Now it's yours. I've given you everything you need pertaining to life and righteousness. I've given you all the divine weapons of warfare. I've given you authority over every unclean spirit. I've given you my peace and and my joy and my spirit and my revelation and my courage and my strength. I've given you it all. Now it's up to you. It's up to you. The power to overtake this world lies in you and me. And where does it sit most of the time? Right where it is. I'm not condemning you for this. Listen, I'm just as guilty. The power I talk about so often rests right here with me. God's saying, get it out there. Because we're the only ones that have that power, church, to overtake darkness, to overtake demons, to overtake the troubled soul, church. Are our testimonies powerful enough to move someone toward the king? And if it's not... We need to work on our testimony. If it's not, we need to work on our relation with Jehovah. If our testimony is not that powerful, we need to work at something, church. We need to work on our words, and we need to work on our service and our sacrifice, and we need to work on our worship. Listen, when I talk about worship, I'm not just talking about opening up your mouth and singing. I'm talking about demonstrating the worth of God in your life. And you do it in a lot of different ways, not just with song. You do it with giving and, and tithing, and you do it with patience and love and service. You do it by taking a meal to someone, and you do it by helping a brother who's hurting. You do it by, by demonstrating your love for God. You do it by obeying Him, by consecrating yourself to Him. By getting in the word and finding a place of prayer like we talked about on Sunday church, this is what develops the power of a testimony. Listen, when the woman finally came before the king, please get this, because I've got to start winding this down somewhere. She didn't come to talk about the weather. She didn't come to talk about sports. She didn't come to talk about the playoffs and listen, listen, listen. I love the playoffs and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But she didn't come to talk about pocketbooks and high heel shoes. She didn't come to talk about donkeys and camels and sheep. She didn't come to talk about perfume and jewels. She didn't come to talk about any of those things. Listen, she came with kingdom questions to the king. The Bible says... She wasn't about to waste her time. Listen, she wasn't going to waste her time with idle chatter and idle gossip and idle words. She had kingdom questions that were stirring around in her soul just like the people in your life do. And we waste so much time with just fiddle-faddling around, idle conversation and idle chatter without being sensitive to the need that's in the soul of that individual and beginning to talk about kingdom stuff. Because everyone you know has a kingdom question hiding in their heart. And they're looking, listen to me church, the only reason it doesn't ever come out, because they haven't found the one with the testimony. The the reason they stand around at the cooler talking about Hollywood and all of those other things, because there's yet to been a, a testimony to show up. They're looking for a king. They're looking for that individual that is able to answer the kingdom questions that they have. Eternal questions. Deep questions. Life-changing and life-altering questions. Devastating and difficult questions. And when she asked them all to Solomon, he answered every single one of them. He answered them all. There was nothing too difficult. Why Please understand this. It was all because of his relation to Jehovah. It's because when he could have asked for anything from his God, he asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for wealth and riches and cars and camels and horses and chariots. He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom, church. And this is what you and I need to understand. We need to seek God for wisdom. Because it's the only thing we can offer to this world, church, that has the power to overtake the troubled soul. He answered everything that she had, every question that she had, because of his relation, church, with Jehovah. But listen, the queen didn't only come to hear his words. She came to watch his ways as well. In the last bit of time I have, I've got to squeeze some stuff in. She came to watch his ways as well. The words weren't enough to satisfy The longing of her soul, church. I want you to understand, like I said, our our talk can be cheap. So what this world is waiting for and the people around you are waiting for, they're waiting for you to put your money where your mouth is. They're waiting for you to live up to these bold proclamations that you make. They're waiting to, they're waiting to, to, they're waiting to see some evidence of your relationship with Jehovah God, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who said, let there be light and there was light, church. You understand what I'm saying? When we make a claim, uh, to having a relationship with Jehovah, our life better reflect it. Because the world is watching our ways. Uh, We talk all about our love for God and then they watch us go off and and look at pornography on the internet. They watch us go get drunk at the bar. They watch us hang out with, with, not say that you can't fellowship with unsaved because we've got to do that. But we get into uh, deep intimate relationships. We get unequally yoked. They watch us, church. They watch us tell dirty jokes and laugh at things that are vile and vulgar. They watch our ways. This is what the Queen of Sheba did. Listen, she was no dummy. She was well-educated. She heard about it. But then she said, let me go see if it's true. First thing the people are going to do when they come to South Metro is see if what they heard about was true. They're going to look for every hypocrite. They're going to look for every phony They're going to look for every grouch and every grunt that they can can pinpoint. They're going to look for the ones that don't fit the the, the, the proclamation of being a son or daughter of God. You better watch what you say. You better watch what you do. And you better watch how you worship because someone's watching you and someone's watching me. This is what we have to understand. I've got so much I want to get out, but I'm winding this down. Look at verse 4. Yeah, boy, I'm only at verse 4. It says, when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon, when she saw his words put to practice, when she saw his integrity, when she saw his worship, when she saw all those things, not just heard, when she saw that he lived up to the words that she heard, it says, then her spirit was put to rest. His life was a powerful reflection, church, of his relationship to the Lord, and ours must be exactly the same. Her heart was put to rest because the Bible says she found more than she was looking for. The Bible tells us in verse 6, it says, she said this, she said, All that I have been told and all that my mind has imagined concerning you isn't even half of what I have found to be so. That's powerful, church. Everything that I heard, everything that I could even imagine. How many of you know the imagination? Pretty powerful thing. It was only half. She could only imagine half of what she found to be so. You talk about a powerful testimony. You talk about having that much influence over somebody. This was the King Solomon church. The last question that I have is if the Queen of Sheba came into our life, what would she find? If the Queen of Sheba came into our life, would she find more than she hoped for, more than she longed for? If the Queen of Sheba came into your life, would she find herself breathless because of what she heard and saw? If the Queen of Sheba came into our life or your life, would her spirit be put to rest because she was overtaken by a superior force that was operating in our lives? And if we can't answer yes to that, we've got to work on a relation with the king. If I can't answer yes to that, I've got to work on my relation to the king so that, that my words, my works, and my worship are more than what I could ever express or more than what I could ever hope for. And here's what I'm going to end with with this. Because it wasn't his life, I told you, was built, his testimony was built on words, it was built on works, and it was also built on worship, And when I use the word worship, like I said, worship is simply a demonstration of his worth, what he means to you and me, how valuable he is to you and me. And this is what I want to read. After the Queen of Sheba watched him worship, you read it, you'll see. After she watched him worship, after she saw his humility, after she saw his fear of the Lord, after she saw all that he brought before the Lord, after she saw all of his burnt offerings and all of his sacrifices, after she saw, church, his broken and his contrite heart, his worship, after she saw all his God was worth to him, the Bible says in verse 9, she, she said this, blessed be your God. And it's exactly what Jesus was meaning in Matthew 5:16 when he said, "Let your light so shine before men, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." He didn't say, "Let them hear your good words." He said, let your light so Shine before men that they might See your good works like Solomon So someone can be overtaken By the power of the Lord And bless the name of the Lord Listen to me, no one's going to Bless the name of the Lord unless your Light shine, no one's going to Bless the name of the Lord unless they're Overtaken by the power of the Lord And the power of your testimony No one's going to bless the name of The Lord unless they hear Someone's words unless they he uh, And let's say, hear someone's words, see someone's works, and experience someone's worship. You see, the reality is, the last question or the last point that I want to make, the most important of part of our testimony is worship, because someone wants to know what our God is worth to us. The people around you want to know how valuable God is to you. He that That's how they determine... The kind of relationship that you have with God, church, and, and the only way this world will know what God is worth to you and I is by what we offer Him. Is by how we offer Him our praise, and how we offer Him our worship, and how we offer up thanksgiving and how we serve Him, and how we sacrifice for Him, and how we give to Him, and how we tithe to Him, and how we adore Him, and how we obey Him. The world is watching, church. There is a queen out there looking for a testimony. And the question the Holy Spirit has is, is that: tes- is that testimony in you tonight? Is that powerful piece of a testimony lying in your life? Are your words Your works and your worship filled with enough power to overtake someone's soul. If you're here tonight and you say, God, that's the kind of testimony I want. I want you to stand to your feet because this is what we're closing with. Uh, I apologize for tarrying and going on. But these were the words that the Holy Spirit wanted to take. How many of you want that kind of testimony in your life? Amen. It's going to take some work. It's going to take us uh, really improving our relation with the Lord. And that's what we're going to pray tonight. You pray that God increase your relation with him, that you can be that testimony. Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, for the truths and the revelation, for the challenge, Father God, that you've placed upon our plate this evening. Father God, every time we come into your presence and every time we open the Word, you're spreading a table before us, God, and you're offering us the bread of life. So we thank you for the banqueting table that you spread before us this evening. I pray that we would eat it, that we would digest it, Father God, that it would be nourishment to our soul, Father God. I pray in the name of Jesus tonight that you would create within us, Father, a a testimony that has the power to reach beyond the pews. That you would generate within us, Father God, such a deep relationship with you that our testimony would be able to reach out into the kingdom of darkness, Father God, and overtake a troubled soul. Overtake the spirit of darkness and overtake the spirit of depression and overtake the spirit of fear. Thank you for the power that we have, Father God to set the captives free and to bind up the brokenhearted and to just release the captives, Father God. So help us to exercise that power through the power of our testimony. Let our words be filled with power and anointing. Let them be seasoned with salt. Let them be heavenly words and godly words and scriptural words, I pray. I pray that our hands would serve you and our feet would follow you and our mind would be fixed upon you. I pray that our words would have hands and have feet and be put into action, Father God. I pray that we would demonstrate your value and worth to us through numerous ways of worship so that the world could see, Father, and give you glory. I give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Amen. If you have a special need, I'll tarry a few. Otherwise, go be a testimony.